Hello and welcome to the first episode of the new podcast here on Racing News Now. If you are a follower of RNN, you probably know me already. I'm sorry that you would have that misfortune. But if you don't know me, I'm Garth Allen and my esteemed colleague here to, I believe it's going to be on my left. Yes, there. Um, Mr. Tyler Guthrie um, is a face that you may not know, or if you're listening to the audio version, a voice you may not know. So, uh, Tyler, uh, hello, and uh, give us a little background on yourself. Oh, hello, Garth. Uh, you probably never heard of me before. Uh, just kind of casual NASCAR fan, getting back into it. Been around for a while, but favorites have left and trying to come back and get some more and just wanting to talk about it. But you haven't completely fallen out of motorsports. I mean, you're still following IndyCar fairly close, aren't you? Yeah, I keep most of my tabs on IndyCar. Uh, NASCAR is just kind of like a side thing. Uh, I've always been interested in it, but like I said, my favorite driver's retired and trying to get back into it, find another reason to fall back in love with the sport and just kind of interested in racing in general. So, and that's kind of the reason that we're calling this podcast Rookie Stripes because you've kind of, you've got me that, if you've watched RNN, you know I've been around for a while, and I I like to think I know NASCAR fairly well. Some people may have differing opinions on that, but um, I like to think I know what I'm talking about sometimes. Um, Tyler, on the other hand, is the more casual side of the spectrum, trying to learn things and and maybe move from casual into more of a more of a hardcore fan. So at some point. We're hoping we get to rip his rookie stripes off, uh, ergo the title of the podcast. So that is the hope. Tyler, are you are you ready to uh, to get those rookie stripes ripped off eventually? Yeah, see how it goes. I don't have any broadcast or online experience either, so just figuring <laughs> out one step at a time. Perfect. So this is going to be a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... Uh, let's talk about week number one. We've got, uh, the start of, well, not technically the start of the NASCAR season this week, as this was not a points race, but the first NASCAR sanctioned event of 2023, the Bushlight Clash at the LA Coliseum. And I think it delivered on about exactly what I expected it to after last year. Tyler, was this your first clash at the coliseum or did you see this race last year no i watched it last year but i remember it not being as much of a crash fest last year yeah especially the end of the race i think and i think mike joy alluded to this on the broadcast at one point i think we went like the last 60 laps caution free last year or something like that so definitely some changes this year and i think a lot of that had to do with this was the first race last year for the next gen car and parts were very scarce not a lot of the teams barely had enough cars to cover each car a lot of them didn't even have backup cars at that point so they were a little more hesitant to uh to get to beating and banging now they don't really have a part shortage they've got plenty of cars so there's no real hesitancy for that and uh things got a little crazy in this race i'd say yeah, you can definitely tell this year people were starting to bump into each other a lot more. It seemed like it was a more gloves-off approach than last year, but I think they had a year to figure out how to 
run at the next gen cars and everybody feels more comfortable driving them hard into each other. And I think with the composite bodies that the Xfinity series, now the cup series have been having the past couple of years, you can beat and bang on each other a little bit more than you used to be able to. Well, there was certainly a lot of beating and banging. There was a lot of accordion wrecks in this race that I don't know that we've seen a lot of in the past where you'd get three or four cars lined up down into the corner the guy in the back would run into the car in front of him and it would accordion through and like three or four cars in front of them would be the wreck. It was like one of those, um, what do they call it? An abacus machine. You know what I'm talking about? Where you, you pull the ball to the side and it comes back and the balls in the middle don't move. The ball on the other side swings out. You know what I'm talking about? Right. I know what you're talking about. And, I think it was kind of interesting. A couple quotes from drivers after the race saying they didn't know who to be mad at because mm-hmm. there were so many people involved. I think we see this every once in a while at Martinsville, but it's never to this extent. Right. Like you might get one or two like this at Martinsville, but this was practically every wreck in this race. And I think a lot of guys were were figuring out that they could do something like this and really get off scot-free because the guy that actually wrecked wouldn't know who to blame. Right. That seemed like a lot of everybody's mad at everybody, but nobody could really retaliate. Um, before we get too far into it, let's go with the race results. Uh, Martin Truex Jr. in the 19 for Joe Gibbs Racing kind of ran away with it at the end. Obviously, they kept having restarts after crash after crash, but every restart he's able to kind of get ahead. Austin Dillon, solid result in second place, and his teammate Kyle Busch right behind him in the eight car for the first time. In 2023, both of them had a good race and had a little bit of teamwork at the end. Kyle Busch kind of let Austin Dillon by when he started banging on him. Kyle was very impressive in his first start in the eight car. Sorry, didn't mean to cut you off there. No, I agree. Uh, I think he did pretty well. He started kind of mid-pack and was always up at the front, but never really made a whole bunch of too daring moves. Fourth place, you got Alex Bowman in the 48, typical Alex Bowman race. You never know he's there until the end of the race, and you look at the top five, and he's there somehow. Kyle Larson, another quiet race in the five, finishing fifth place. Tyler Reddick in sixth place, new team in the number 45 car. Ryan Priest in seventh and number 41 for Stuart Haas. I think Ryan Priest did a pretty good race. He got shuffled back a little bit towards the end, but about the last two-thirds of the race, up there most of the time. Ross Chastain in eighth and Denny Hamlin in ninth. They were able to find each other for another wreck to start off 2023. And rounding out your top 10, you got William Byron in 24, another typical William Byron race, I would say. Yeah. So there's a few guys to talk about in there. First off, Austin Dillon, good run in second. What's with the mustache, though? He hasn't had a mustache before now, I don't think, unless I'm forgetting this. He doesn't look right with a mustache. Like, it doesn't <laughs> fit. It doesn't look good on him. It reminds me of early days Jeff Gordon mustache. You remember what Jeff Gordon looked oh, like? Gosh. I mean, that was that was before you were born, but I'm sure you've seen pictures of Jeff Gordon in the early days with that mustache that looked oh, absolutely yeah. terrible. Straight out of the late 90s, you know? yes. That's what Austin Dillon's mustache looks like. I I don't know who told him. I don't know if it was his wife or who told him that looked good. But Austin, they're lying to you. It doesn't look good. Shave it. You know what, though? What? Mustache may have gotten him second place in the clash. 
maybe. Well, okay. I will believe that if he continues to run well to start the season. If this is just a fluke and he has the mustache for the remainder of the season or however long and he doesn't consistently run this well, it's not the mustache. I did think that a good point that Mike Joy brought up on broadcast was that Kyle Busch is going to be a great influence on that team at RCR. And I think he showed that with the 2-3 finish here at the Clash, first race of the season, obviously shaking out some cobwebs, but both of those cars doing really well. Well, and that team needed some veteran leadership because before Kyle, it was Austin Dillon and Tyler Reddick, which Tyler Reddick is a phenomenal talent and is going to have a very successful career. But I don't think Austin Dillon is cut out to be the senior leadership of a team. And I think that was really hurting RCR to have Austin Dillon be that kind of senior guy there to bring Kyle Busch in with his experience, love him or hate him. He's got the experience. He's been successful. And I think that, I think that will help this team, how much it will help this team. I'm not sure because they, they needed some help. Uh, Reddick was able to do some things in that eight car, but I think we're going to see he's able to do much, much more in that 45 car. Now that he's got even better equipment. I'd have to agree. And I think that probably Bubba Wallace and, Tyler Reddick are probably not considered to be the same level, I wouldn't think so much, but they're kind of up-and-coming younger drivers. You don't have, I wouldn't say the Bubba Wallace would be a comparison to Austin Dillon and that team. Yeah. I'd like to bring up in 11th place, just outside top 10, Justin Haley. I think he had a really solid run. He got turned around towards the beginning of the race, but clawed his way back up to 11th, and you can can't say that much for a lot of other people that finished outside the top 10. No, definitely not. And and Justin Haley was fast in this race last year, so that didn't really surprise me. Actually, he was fastest in qualifying on Saturday. Was it Saturday they had the actual qualifying? Yeah, I believe uh, so. Yeah, so he was fastest there. Almost won his heat race, so didn't really surprise me how fast he was. Didn't I think he should have definitely had a better finish than what he had. I don't know that he was necessarily fast enough to win, but I think he he definitely had a top 10 car, if not a top five car at the very least. Yeah, it did seem like towards the beginning of the race, he got shuffled back with that spin and then just kind of kept getting in everybody else's accident. And it's hard to move up when you're in mid-pack and track that small. Yeah. Kevin Harvick coming in 12th, he kind of brushed the gloves off for a little bit with Todd Gill in there in the middle of the race. <laughs> yes. Yes, he did. Um, and there, there was a lot of that between, uh, between different people. And I think the thing with Harvick is he did this a little bit last year in this race too. He's not been super fast at the Coliseum. Either time he showed up, he's not had race winning speed. I don't know if it's the, they're not bringing a good car for him in this race, or he just has not figured this track out, but either way, he has not been super fast in this race. So I think he seems to go with the mindset of let's build the entertainment. And he ends up just shoving people around and trying to make things exciting. He did it in his heat race where he was just shoving chase Elliott, like every single lap, trying to get that transfer spot in the heat race. And it actually ended up being a super exciting finish to their heat race where 
Stenhouse and Elliott had gotten a little bit away from Harvick and they were having the battle for the transfer spot. Elliott shoves Stenhouse out of the way into turn one on the last lap, takes that transfer spot. Stenhouse then goes down into turn three, shoves Elliott out of the way, but goes in too deep, opens the door for Harvick to get by both of them. And Harvick beats Elliott to the line by a few inches. Super excited. And that may have been the most exciting moment of the entire night. And that was in a heat race. Yeah. And then one of the last, last chance qualifiers with Chase Elliott and Ty Gibbs going at each other at the end was pretty good racing there too. Yeah. I mean, there were moments of good racing, but there was also moments when the pack would kind of get strung out and it just got a little boring too. Uh, and, and of course they'd get bunched right back up when somebody would wreck. And then we'd the whole cautions breed cautions thing that, uh, definitely reared its head in this race as well. I think at one point it almost took about an hour and a half to run 20 green flag laps. Yeah. That'll happen when you don't count caution laps. Uh, Todd Gillen and Michael McDowell DNF in 23 and 24th positions, uh, both ran out of fuel because they weren't allowed to refuel after their qualifier races. Yeah. And. And that brings up an inherent problem, I think. I don't even know if you can call it a problem necessarily, but it brings up an issue with the whole not counting caution laps to where I bet you they ran at least 50 laps that didn't get counted in this race. Oh, at at least 50 laps that didn't count. I think probably every wreck they had seven or eight caution laps because mm-hmm. of how short that track is, but just a little bit of short-sightedness from NASCAR for not even allowing them the chance to fuel their cars back up in between their races. Right. Let's see what else we got. Uh, AJ Allmendinger in 20th, kind of beating the doors off everybody the whole race. <laughs> uh, Chase Elliott, not much happened with him in the final race there in the clash. He really didn't do much all night. I mean, he, didn't really do anything in his heat race. Ended up in he ended up in the second last chance qualifier, didn't he? He didn't even advance out of the first one, right? Yeah, I think so. And then he and Ty Gibbs had that showdown at the finish, but mm-hmm. it was the two of them running away from the field for the most part. Yeah. Well, I mean, once you got down to the second last chance qualifier, they were like the only ones that weren't like a a Corey LaJoy or a or a Harrison Burton that Nothing against those two, but they don't have the speed to compare to Chase Elliott and Ty Gibbs most of the time, at least. All right. Bubba Wallace in 22nd. I was actually fairly impressed with Bubba Wallace through the middle of the race. Had a like a six or seven restart frenzy there with Martin Truex Jr. and beat him off the line every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bubba was impressive. Um, had a lot of speed, and then he had his little brush up with Austin Dillon near the end. Those two, you could tell almost immediately after that restart. I don't even remember who instigated it. And I don't even, there may not have even been one of them that instigated it. It was more of, they started leaning on each other. One of them started getting irritated with the other. So they shoved them even more. And it eventually escalated to the point where Austin just dumped Bubba. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's short track racing, but it, you could definitely see it boiling over for a solid three or four laps before Austin finally dumped him. Right. That's one of those things you see in NASCAR is one of those completely preventable crashes that 
somebody just lost their temper, and I believe in this case it was Austin Dillon. Yeah. I, I was fairly impressed with uh, Tony Stewart's addition to the booth in the broadcast this week. I have been very impressed with Tony every time he's been in the booth because he was in the booth for this race and the Daytona 500 last year. And then there was two or three other races he was in the booth last year, too. And I thought he's always been extremely good in the booth. I thought he'd be a good permanent addition to the booth. But speaking of that, it was just announced, I believe, yesterday that Kevin Harvick will be going full time to the Fox booth in 2024 alongside Clint Boyer and Mike Joy. So I think that's a very solid addition as well. Every time Kevin Harvick, I've seen him in the booth, he has been extremely good. He's done a lot of Xfinity broadcasts, and I think he'll be a very, very good asset to that booth next year. I think one of the coolest things they've done in the booth the past several years is have cup drivers announce some of the Xfinity races. Not only do you get to hear from your cup drivers that might not be able to do interviews and everything all the time, but just to hear them talk about some of their competitors from the booth, having everybody's eyes on them, I just thought it was super interesting to see who's good at it and who's not. Yeah, and there's definitely some of them that are not cut out for it, uh, that just are not very good in the booth. But then there's others that Kevin Harvick, Kurt Busch, uh, Kyle Busch even, that that are very, very good in the booth and I think would would make great assets to the booth when they retire. I'm actually surprised that uh, Kurt has not gone to the booth now that he's retired because I always thought he was probably the best out of the current drivers anytime they stuck a driver in the booth. So I'm I'm actually surprised he hasn't gone to the booth in some form or fashion, even if it's in the truck booth. I know they had him mostly full-time in the truck booth for the last year or two, so I'm I'm surprised that hasn't, or maybe it did stick and I just haven't seen it, but I don't think he's in the booth full-time for trucks this year. No, I'd have to agree with you. I'd always liked it when Kurt Busch came in for an Xfinity race or even a truck race, like you said. Um, I do think he's kind of fallen off the face of the planet a little bit ever since he had that crash at Pocono last year and missed the rest of the season. I haven't heard anything from him this year. No, you're right. Come to think of it, yeah, he's he's kind of been off the radar, and I don't know if that's because he's still, still kind of recovering from that concussion that, I mean, that you wouldn't have thought it would have taken him that long to recover from it in the first place. So I don't know. I I don't know what Kurt's up to right now. And that is, that's a very good question. Maybe we'll have to try and get him on this podcast at some point. See what he actually, see what he's been up to since he's been out of the car. Um, Cause that will be a thing going forward. Eventually that we will have interviews on this on a, on a weekly basis. Um, we're not going to, for the first probably three or four weeks here, just to get the, the podcast established and and get some momentum going but uh, we will tend to have interviews uh the hope is to have one every week um and if you've seen rnn you know um that we tend to have a lot of interviews on rnn usually anyway so i don't see it being too big of an issue having having one per week on here yeah and while we're kind of there i'd like to touch on the topic of obviously kurt bush's concussion at the crash last year and how a lot of drivers were saying that rear end impacts were pretty difficult to withstand last year. And I know uh, the booth touched on it a little bit during the race. Uh, NASCAR did make some changes to the car over the off season, put in some new crush panels and different foam blocks into the car just to make it absorb impacts a little bit better. I know uh, Bubba Wallace did have a 
little radio outburst at one point in the race that rear end impacts did still hurt, but that and changes with the safer barrier for the Coliseum definitely NASCAR looking out for their competitors. Yeah, definitely. And, um, to be completely honest, it is a little surprising because NASCAR has gotten a reputation in recent years of not necessarily listening to their drivers on a lot of things. So it is good that they did listen to them on this, especially since it, it, it was something that was getting a lot of drivers injured last year. So it's it's good to see that they that they listened and that they're taking steps in the right direction to to fix the safety of this car. It was very weird that they introduced this new car and they've been so gung-ho about safety for the past two generations of cars, the car of tomorrow and the Gen 6 car. They've been so big on safety. And then we introduced this car and it's like they took a step backward with safety. So it is good to see them getting back in the right direction. Honestly, it should have been there already, but steps in the right direction nonetheless. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. We saw a whole bunch of really nasty crashes with the Gen 6 car, especially the super speedways, Austin Dillon going in the catch fence, a couple of different drivers doing the same thing. And Brian Newman in the Daytona 500. You'd have people flipping and yep. getting into the catch fence, and they always seem to get out okay. And then last year was pretty bizarre with several hits that seemed fairly light compared to ones we've seen in the past. And then Herb Bush going out for the whole year with a concussion. So yep, nice to see him try to take some steps in the positive direction. Yeah, I mean, that that Kurt Busch wreck last year didn't look like something that should have sidelined him for half a season and in in the end ended his career. It did not look like a crash that should have done that. Uh, but with the way that car was last year, it, it did. So, yeah, it's it's definitely good that they have moved back in the in a more correct direction with the safety. Yeah. Going forward to 2023, what are a couple drivers that kind of stand out to you that you're looking to have a good season this year? You know, Ryan Priest impressed me a lot in the clash. He led a lot there late in the race. And now that he's with Stuart Haas, this is the best team he's been with in the Cup Series, kind of getting his redemption in the Cup Series. I look for Ryan Priest to have a really good year. Um, I was really curious how he would do in this car because that's a car that with Cole Custer the last couple of years has not run all that well. Um, so, and honestly, Stuart Haas as a whole, for the most part, has not run that well for the last couple of years. So I was curious to see what he would be able to do in that car uh, going forward. And if the clash is any indication, I think Ryan Priest is, is set up for a really good year. I'd have to agree with you on Ryan Priest. I know Tony Stewart touched on it a little bit while he was in the booth. It seemed like Tony Stewart finally got his guy for that 41 car. Um, I know Cole Custer had a little bit of a rough time in that car. He got a win, at least one win. I think it was only yeah, the just, one, though. just one exactly at Kentucky. Kansas. But, yeah, I think Tony Stewart finally found his guy for that 41 car. I know he was really enthused when he was able to sign him this year for that car. And I think, for the most part, Chase Briscoe had a fairly disappointing season last year, in my opinion. He had a couple races where he was up to the front, but never really seemed to be able to run away with it like he was doing in the Xfinity Series for a year. Yeah, and I think a lot of that was was Stuart Haas just has been kind of off the last couple of years. Like, they're good for two, three, four wins across the entire organization the last couple of years, but not what we had seen out of them in the past, where 
Kevin Harvick in 2020 winning nine races or nine or 10 or whatever it was that season when he should have won the championship. And I will still stand by that to this day. Um, but yeah, I, I think Stuart Haas might be going back in the right direction this year. Yeah. And I think as a whole couple teams did really well, obviously it's a clash. So your big teams are going to do pretty well. I think uh, RCR stand out pretty well to me, second and third. Uh, and all the Toyota-affiliated cars did fairly well. Spare for Ty Gibbs in the clash. Uh, obviously, Martin Truex Jr. winning it. Uh, Hendrick, pretty good showing other than the star driver for Hendrick, uh, Chase Elliott. I know uh, William Byron is kind of working his way up to the front for most of the race and finally got up there and got shuffled back towards the end. And Alex Bowman and Kyle Larson both getting top five. So Hendrick, a fairly good showing too. Yeah, definitely. I, and Hendrick has been back to being their powerhouse the last couple of years. So that's not surprising. Although Larson did have a fairly off year last year. I don't know if it was a championship hangover or what it was, but I look for Larson to be back in front this season. Tyler Reddick's another one I look at to be very good this season. Now that he's with 2311, I think he's going to be, uh, popping off a good number of wins this year and probably will even be a championship favorite. I'd, I'd even go that far to say he might even make the championship four. Yeah, I'd like to see a couple races into the season and touch back on that, but I do think Tyler Reddick was very impressive last year with RCR, and I think uh, 2311 is probably better equipment than RCR, not one of the slight RCR at all, but with the direct affiliation with Joe Gibbs racing and all the Toyota cars sticking together for the most part, as far as equipment from what it seems, I think Tyler Reddick could do pretty well this year. Definitely. Well, I think that's where we're going to have to wrap it up on this one. We will be back next week to preview not only the Daytona 500, but all the festivities of speed speed week. I guess it is now. It's not speed weeks anymore. It's only in one week now, but Daytona 500 Xfinity trucks, Arca duels, we got all kinds of stuff to talk about next week on this show. Um, hopefully you will stick around with us for the ride this season. Hope you, hopefully you enjoyed what you heard and you'll want to come back next week. Like I said, as we get a little further along, maybe four or five weeks down the road, we'll start doing interviews on here as well. So you get to hear from anybody, your favorite drivers, broadcast personalities, anyone in the industry that, that we feel would make a good conversation on here. Uh, we will have them on. So if you have any suggestions for someone you'd like to see on here, let us know that as well. So I think that's where we're going to wrap it up. Uh, Tyler, you got any final words for this week? No, just excited to get the year going. Excited to be maybe a bigger part of this NASCAR world for a year. Definitely. Well, we are looking forward to having you be a part of this NASCAR world. And I think that's going to do it. So we're going to wrap it up there. This has been episode number one of the Rookie Stripes podcast. That's Tyler Guthrie. I'm Garth Allen on Rookie Stripes podcast for Racing News Now.